welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. A courtroom and he asks a question and then answers it with incontrovertible proof or evidence. He was an attorney. And when I was getting this ready and just preparing and praying and all, just asked of the Lord, and what came to my mind on Mother's Day was my own mom. Uh, I've stood before her many, many times as I was growing up, and I found my mom to be both or the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Childish excuses did not count. Her sentence was quick, it was sure, and no appeals were allowed. In fact, sometimes the more we appealed, the more the harsher the sentence. It kept growing. Does anyone recall Days like that. But she loved us. She gave her life for us. And she earned that position. And she was backed up by my dad. And how many know that's a powerful one-two combo punch? And, uh, but I do recall many times that childish excuses were never tolerated. She had almost a... Uh, God-given sense, an intuitive sense to know what was going on even when I wouldn't admit to something. And I guess it was just the way I could carry myself. And so sometimes she was also the arresting police officer. And then she charged me, prosecuted me, judged me, and uh, she was the jury and declared it. And I turned out all right. How about that? Okay. So, and so do the rest of my family. In fact, most of our family, there's 35 of us now, I think all but maybe, maybe one is under the, the umbrella of God's grace. And we thank God for that. It's just a wonderful, wonderful time. And for that one, we understand that the end of the book has not been written. And God is the hound of heaven. How, how many know that? And he pursues and he loves us. And I'm so grateful for it. Well, Paul comes to this part as he wraps up this eighth chapter, and he does envision the court of law, and the prosecutor has leveled charges against us, charges that were according to the law that had existed, God's law, and death and prison were the certain penalties. But the counsel for the defense was present and active, and his name is Christ Jesus the Lord, who loved us, who gave himself up for us, who died for us, who paid the price for our sins, who was raised and now sits at the right hand of God the Father, whoever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Praise God for, for the counsel for the defense." The enemy of our soul, 
was the prosecutor. He is the one who comes against us. He is called the accuser of the brethren. His main mission is life. In life is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so the counsel for the defense rose and made the case. And the judge is God himself, the righteous judge of all the earth. He has pronounced his acquittal and justification based upon the effects of his love for us in Christ Jesus and based upon the finished work for us that Christ accomplished on the cross. Praise his name. And he said to the enemy, the devil, Satan, the liar, the murderer from the beginning. That's the words of Jesus. So he said, it is finished. And we were acquitted and we were declared justified in his sight. Can someone say, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Paul says in so many words, who dares file an appeal after all that? This creates a whole new life, what Jesus Christ did. Paul wrote that Christ is called the second Adam so he could bring many sons and daughters to glory. It was a new order, a new purpose, a new sonship. Benefits of the resurrection life are now ours. What Paul wrote in Corinthians, eye has not seen, ear hath not heard, and neither hath it entered into the heart of man, of humankind, the things that God has, restore, has, has in store for those who love him. The ultimate purpose of God is to restore all things in Christ Jesus because it is to him and through him and by him and the purposes of God will not be thwarted. Therefore, we rest, we rest our faith on the three things that Paul writes about. Number one is that God is for us. Number two is that God has done a great work for us through Jesus Christ. And number three is that God loves us with an everlasting love, which he's shown and demonstrated in his son, Jesus Christ, when we were far, far, far away from him. No wonder Paul said, who can bring a charge against God's elect? What can we say to these things? Who will file an appeal? So I want to share these things today that your faith, along with mine, can be strengthened because God has destined you and God has destined me to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what all, everything that he does in our life, that's where it's taking us so that we could, he could bring many sons to glory. And ultimately, he would restore all things to him. He would reconcile heaven and earth, all kingdoms one day, all powers. God's word says that on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord King of kings and Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise his name. Aren't you glad you serve Jesus Christ? Praise his name. God is for us, Paul wrote. What then shall we say to these things? And in, you have a program in, with you, and there's some notes in there that you can follow along, fill in these blanks. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? 
Paul recounts some of the things that he's written about in chapter 8, but if you want to get the full picture, read Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, and Paul's referring to all of those things. But in Romans chapter 8, he talks about sonship, that we are now sons, heirs, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He declares that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The law has been broken. No longer can the law condemn us because the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation from the law. He declares that, that the grace of God, in fact, in Romans chapter 5, he says that we, we now stand in the grace of God. I like that. How about you? We stand in the grace of God. And I want to tell you that those shoes are easy on the feet. Yeah. You can't get away from the grace of God. It's like standing in the ocean. The waves keep coming and coming and coming and coming. We have been justified. We have peace with God. Paul said that now we, are, we have life in the Spirit. So he said, who can say anything to that? The enemy certainly can't. God is our strong salvation because God is for us. He's our strong salvation. He is mighty to save. It is Jesus Christ only who could pay the price that has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He brought light and life out of darkness and delivered you and me from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? He wrote, he wrote in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and, is, and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, that's Jesus Christ, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, that's the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Praise God. God's for you. God is for you. I want to just encourage us this morning and caution us that when Paul wrote things, whether visible or invisible, you and I live in a visible world. Most of the striving in this world is, is because of limited visibility. Yesterday, I took my grandson to a double header of the Orioles, and as we sat sat there and there was one delay and I looked on, on the weather map and I saw this huge cell coming to Baltimore and then I heard there were tornado warnings in Harford County and uh, they went back and, and play and then all of a sudden I looked up and I said, John, we're leaving. We're leaving. And so we had about, a, about 20 minutes by the time we got out of the stadium, walked to our car, we got there 
got on 95, and I'm telling you, the, open, the heavens opened. All the way from there, and he said, Papa, Papa, should we get under a bridge? I said, no. Steady as she goes. <laughs> Notice, Papa, I'm in the right lane, or I'm in the left lane. I'm not in the center. If something bad happens, I only have this lane to contend with, not two. How many understand that? Steady as she goes. Turn the windshield wipers up as hard as you can. And uh, I'd rather, I think, let the lightning hit a moving target than sit still under a bridge waiting for it to happen. So we drove, but the visibility was limited. He said, Papa, are there still any lanes on the highway? I can't see them. I said, you're right. We can't see the lanes on the highway. The rain was coming down, but I said, every so often there's a marker. There's a way marker. That's a tough way to go. And living for this life only, where our visibility is limited by what we can see and hope for and strive for, is a hard, hard, hard way to go. But we serve a God and a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, not only of the visible, but also of the invisible, which is forever and ever and ever, and it is a place made in the heavens without hands, praise his name. He is our strong salvation. And so if God is for us, who is against us? The triumph of our faith is certain because of the work of God for us in Christ Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, verse 32, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Did you hear what I said, what Paul said? He delivered Christ over for us. How much more will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who dares challenge the creator? He is the wise master builder. Friends, I, the Lord wants you to know that, that your righteousness is in Christ. It's not in our perfection, but in our position. How many understand that? It's because we live in his house. We belong. There's security. There's order. And we are valued. And he paid the price. We live in his house. It's God's turf. Remember, I was a, a kid in junior high. Uh, back when they had junior high, not middle school, but you didn't get to go to high school till you're in ninth grade. And so then you're a freshman, went through hazing and the whole deal, all for the good old days. And I had my bike as my prized possession. It was a Schwinn with, I don't know, 26 or 28 inch wheels. It was a big bike. And I had it, got it for a Christmas present. And, and, and in those days, the most important thing to a young teenage boy uh, was not video games. 
it was your bike. It represented freedom. It represented, wow, horizons were being lifted. In those days, we'd go out to play ball early in the morning, and my mom would say, just make sure you come back and get something to eat, and then at night, listen, when I call, and when I call, come get supper. Then we'd go play again and just be back before it's dark in those days. So we did all sorts of crazy things. And I ventured off my home turf but you looked at your household and you knew all the neighbors and they knew you and you knew things about them that um, it was just too much information going on. That's all I could say. But you mowed the lawn, you painted the house, you, hit, you, you trimmed the hedges. How many of you remember some of that? Yeah. We lived in town. We didn't live in a development. We lived in town. We had sidewalks. You had to get along with people. We didn't have a... We didn't have a garage door with an opener that you could work and make good money and then pull in and even, and then the garage door would open and then it would close behind you. You go in the house, it's air conditioned and you might venture out on your back deck if it's nice. No, we had a front porch. And the back porch was small enough that the freezer was there. So that's no place to hang out either. So we... My buddy and myself, and uh, I believe it was Danny Case, that's what I remember, and, uh, but the older you get, your memory fudges a little bit, but, but you can tell good stories. And so anyway, we went up to a place about two miles away in another town called Sugarman's. Sugarman's was, a, was huge, the biggest thing that anyone knew around there, but they had sporting goods, and they had clothes, and you name it, they had something for everyone, and and it was really quite an adventure. And we went up there, and we rode our bikes up there about two miles away in a different town, Einan, Pennsylvania. My hometown was Peckville, and we lived on Hickory Street in the church parsonage. And we put our bikes out there. No one thought of locking your bike. We didn't even know what a lock was for a bike. You just parked them outside. We had a grand old time, and I came out, and my bike was missing. Uh, that was a loss for a kid 13 or 14 years old, let alone how am I going to get home? So he rode me home. How many have ever rid on the, on the crossbars, you know? But I mean, when I was, I was 13, I, not, I mean, we got bigger kids in church now, but I was 5'8", and I weighed 150 pounds on my 13th birthday. So I wasn't, it wasn't like riding your little sister. And it was all downhill, so it was a hairy ride getting down there. So I was without my bike for several weeks, and what are you going to do in the summertime as a kid? We're hanging out on the front porch one day on Hickory Street, and I looked down the street, and here came my bike with somebody on it. And I went, hey, <laughs> that's my bike. And, he, and I ran, and I did something terrible, but I knocked him off the bike, and I said, give me my bike. He said, well, it's mine. I said, no, it's not. You stole it. How am I going to get home? I don't care how you're going to get home. And I wheel it in my yard. He didn't dare come into my yard, my turf. You and I live in the house that God built because of Jesus Christ. This is his turf. The enemy of your soul will come and try to condemn you. There is no more condemnation. 
The triumph of our faith is certain because of the work that he has done in our lives because of Jesus Christ. We live in his house. Can someone say thank you, Lord? Amen. If God did not spare his own son, will he not freely give us all things with Christ? Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things was he talking about? Food, clothing, and shelter. In fact, what he said that our faith in God, when we trust him, what he will give us, what he will give us, he said, don't worry, he even clothes and feeds the birds of the air. And he said, even Solomon, with all of his glory and his wealth and his riches, could not begin to compare with what God has provided for his creation. Now, it doesn't say that he'll give you everything you want. How many know that? In fact, Psalm 34, 7 says, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I really believe what that means is not delight in the Lord and and you just tell God, this is my Christmas wish list, and whatever it is, he's going to give it to you. I believe delighting in the Lord means when we seek first the kingdom of God and we love God, we delight ourselves in him, that the desires of our heart will come from God. How many understand that? And if I have a desire, I want it to align with the perfect will of God. So who will bring a charge? God has justified us. God has justified us. Perhaps Paul had in mind Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where God had, had selected Joshua to be a leader in Israel. And Satan, this is what God's word says, he came before God in his presence to accuse Joshua. And he said in so many words, you can't pick him, his clothes are dirty. And God declares, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand, a brand plucked from the fire? And then the writer says, see, I have, or God, for God was saying, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Then the writer said, they clothed him and put a clean turban on his head. Church, God wants us to know that when the enemy of our soul comes to accuse us, that God says, this is the brand that I have plucked from the fire. This person is, I've chosen him for my purposes. The enemy comes and says, but he's dirty, he stinks. And God says, I don't care what you think. Your thinking is stinking anyway. Get out of here. I've chosen him and I've forgiven his iniquity. I've clothed him in festal garments and I've put a turban on his head. Our position is in Jesus Christ. It's not that we, we are perfect because none of us can be perfect. If you think you're perfect, if you think you're perfect, why do you bathe regularly? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm hoping if I said the last couple of days, every hand would go up, okay. If you have boys or grandsons, they get somewhere around 10 or 11, you have to have the talk. The talk is, Bathing is good, and now there's something else you need to add to your life. It's radical. I know it's going to be really hard, but there's this thing in the bathroom. 
It's in this container, and it starts with a D. It's called deodorant. You need to start using that. No one's perfect here. And I can't say, because I obey God more than you all, that I'm better than you are. How many know that? None of us can say that. But we live in his house. God has clothed us. So Paul says, who will condemn? Is it Christ? He died for us and he's raised and he intercedes for us at the right hand of God the Father. It's such wonderful news today. If you read Romans 8, uh, chapter 26, through uh, uh, chapter 8, rather 26 through 28, it says, and the Spirit himself, when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings that are too deep to be uttered because he prays according to the will of God for our life. Remember, we, we unpacked that a couple of weeks ago. And to know that, that this is the guarantee that when we come to the Lord and we pray, and so often we pray by the invisible, we pray by what we see. Oh God, you know what I see. But the Holy Spirit sees the invisible. And he prays perfect prayers for the people of God according to the, to the will of God. But as marvelous as that is, there's, there's also a double benefit. And that's this, that the Holy Spirit is with us, but there's also Jesus in heaven, whoever lives to make intercession for you and for me. And so Paul said, who can bring a charge? Who will condemn? The third thing I want to share for you is that the love of God for us in Christ. Our faith is triumphant because of the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love is so strong for us that no outside force can break it. His love for us is so strong. Paul wrote in Romans 5, 5 or 6 through 8, he wrote this about the love of God. While we're still helpless, for while we're still helpless, and make no mistake about it, friend, that you and I, you and I, without God, are helpless. Helpless. We cannot find our way to God. We cannot be saved because of our own goodness. We're helpless, and often when we're helpless, we're also naive. God wants us to know this, 
that if we're outside the love of God, we're either living in his house that he's built on his turf, or outside of the turf is controlled by the accuser of the brethren, by the prosecutor, and whose ultimate purpose is to try you, charge you, make life miserable, and to destroy you, but ultimately, he will betray you. He will betray you. It is Jesus Christ and God, while we're still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, we, we have four children, and they're all pretty normal. Although when they're teenagers, you don't, I don't know, you wonder. Uh, and uh, I remember... And our hopes were so filled, and I'd pray with them. We'd pray with them at night. I always did daily devotions at, around the dinner table. Always did. And I'd pray with them at night. And I'd pray for God's future and choices and all that. And, but how many know kids disappoint because they're not perfect? And they do stuff. And they do dumb stuff. And they do stuff that's headed down the wrong path. And the reason I know that, because I did that myself. And the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. It's called being human. Someone came to me from the church years ago, and they had some wonderful gossip they wanted to share with me about something they found out one of my daughters was doing. And I said, I don't want to hear it. My mind was thinking, especially from you, because you're enjoying this too much. But I didn't want to hear it. I love my daughters. Did I think they're innocent? No. But I knew, I knew that God would show me in due time if there was something that needed to be dealt with because they're a part of the family of God. So I don't need to listen. I'm not going to be a garbage can for anybody. How many understand that? Now, this, 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 the, the lid on this can shut. When it comes to my family, it's closed. Don't try to get in there. And I said, no, I don't want to hear it. God will show me when it's ready, and I'll deal with it. But when God shows me, because of our love for them, it'll, it'll be handled in the right way. And I'll never forget that Something I discovered, I mean, it, it just tore me up. And I said to my wife, I said, I can't believe this. So we called them and called, called her and her friend to the house. And her friend's eyes were as big as saucers because I took her friend into my office. And I said, close the door, sit down. I want to know, is this true? 
And it was a come to Jesus moment. And the friend left and my daughter came in and I just said, come over. Just sit on my lap. Sit on my lap. And she started weeping. Started weeping. The Holy Spirit was at work. A father's love was at work. There might have been some things that were done that were against my values and against God, maybe God and God's word. I, I'm not, I don't want to give out too much information. So, But what I know is that thing, the friend disappeared. And God did a work in my daughter's life that is till this day. It's the love of a father. And the love that our Heavenly Father has for us, that's modeled after that love. Does that mean fathers can't be disciplinarians? Oh, yes. Pastor, you mean you always were quiet, meek and gentle? No. I've had some, we've butted heads. I mean, we, yeah, we just butt heads. One of my, I love all my daughters so dearly, but one of them, I mean, when we owned our farm in Missouri and uh, she loved to work with me and I loved to work with her, but it took about a half hour just grinding gears. Any dads know what I'm talking about? Don't leave me hanging out here. That's all I ask you. Took about a half hour just a grinding gear. Then all of a sudden it slipped into gear and we'd have the most wonderful time. I mean, that's just the way it is. But the love that the Father has for us is perfect. And then Paul went on to say this. He interjects this curious thing. He said, for your sake, we are put to death all the day long. And where that comes, he said, we're counted like sheep for the slaughter. And friends, this is the truth of it. This is the truth of it right now. Following Jesus Christ, our, the triumph of our faith, we, we can be more than conquerors through him because of what he's done. But the fact of the matter is, following Jesus Christ does not exempt us from trouble and trials on this earth. How many understand it? In fact, sometimes because of following Jesus Christ and doing what's right, we, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter and we suffer some persecution because we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this comes from Psalm 44, 22, where is a plea from the people of God who are in sore distress for God to come and rescue, deliver, and comfort them. But Paul declares that victory is ours, that we are overwhelmingly conquer. The word in the Greek actually means that we are super conquerors through him who loved us and that nothing can separate us Nothing in creation, no person, no circumstance can keep us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Praise his name. I can't tell you the number of people that I've been by, their, by them, by their side. People who had known God and followed God. When it came to their last breath, they were in bad shape. They were moments from eternity and some had passed away but some of the final things that they would say with me is, God is so good, and I'm thankful for his love. That's a love that is beyond the visible into the invisible. It's the love that the Father has for you 
and for me. And because of that, neither height nor depth or anything else will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Praise his name. It's like a mother's love for us. Last Sunday, last Sunday, we had a birthday celebration for one of my grandsons. And the extended family was over. We're getting ready to go to Northern Virginia to the Potomac Network Ministers Conference, and the next day could be could be a huge day in our life, a game changer. And Chris just said, I, I want the family to pray. She said, Would you pray? Pray. And they gathered around and they prayed. I can't tell you what that meant because what's really important to me is the love of my family and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And we walked out of there saying everything's going to be all right. No matter what it is, everything's going to be all right. And this morning, I'm going to have the band come. They would. This morning, this morning as we pray, I want you to know that if God is speaking to your heart and your life, that you have an opportunity, you have an opportunity to come into the household of God. Praise His name.